If you've ever watched a television show or movie about doctors or it was within a hospital setting, the interactions, most often exaggerated, are some pretty creative dramatic scenarios. But many people are critical of the healthcare system and insurance policies developed in the United States. There are lots of finger pointing to who's to blame for rising medical costs and no sound solutions meet everyone's needs. So what's the best way to know how to make our healthcare system work for you? My name is Ronika Jacobs and you found my podcast, Strive For More, Your Best Life Now. While there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, you've taken the time out to listen to this one. So for that, I would like to say thank you. So without any further delay, let's get to it. Let's strive for more. Great health care starts with you. My next guest, Tammy Lynn Guns, is helping people strive for more by helping them understand the healthcare system. Tammy Guns has extensive corporate industry experience in healthcare, auditing, business valuations, business development, and consulting for the past 25 years. Her corporate experience was specializing in the areas of finance, budgeting, operations, physician recruitment, and physician practice management. For the past four years, Tammy has been speaking to audiences and was featured last summer in a TED Talk called Why the Best Healthcare System Starts with You. In this episode, she will discuss our healthcare system and how to make it work best for you. Hi, Tammy. Welcome. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you about this incredibly important topic. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Okay, so please share a little bit about yourself. How did you get into healthcare operations? Going way, way back, my mom was a nurse, and I used to volunteer at the hospital she worked at, and so that kind of piqued my interest into healthcare. However, I'm not a nurse or a provider like my mom. Instead, I'm on the business side. And probably 20 years ago, I went and got a master's degree in health service administration as well as a master's degree in accounting. And then I've worked in pediatric organizations with academics. I've also worked in community-based hospitals and with adults. So I kind of have some experience spanning the spectrum of healthcare operations. Nice, nice. Okay, so I watched your TED Talk. Oh, my gosh, so great. <laughs> and in it, you talked about people's views of their health and wealth. And interestingly, a small percentage of people did not feel that the two were mutually exclusive. Explain that perspective. 
Well, great question. So when I did my TEDx talk on why the best healthcare system starts with you, I was doing some journal searches as well as my own research to be able to have some background to offer the audience. And one of the things I did is I surveyed 100 people and I said, okay, because I wanted to understand how important is health to people. So I surveyed 100 people and I said, you know, you could have health, but not wealth, or you could have wealth, but not health, and which would you choose and why? And most of the people, it was like 97% of the people said, well, health, of course, you know, if you don't have health, you really don't have anything. However, there was the 3% of the people who said, well, no, I would take wealth because they actually, I was asking them to say one or the other, but they thought by choosing wealth that they could actually then purchase good health as though health was some type of a commodity you could simply write a check for. And that's not the case at all. I mean, it does. all you have to do is think of someone like Steve Jobs, who was incredibly wealthy, right, tons of money, and yet he actually died of cancer. And so you cannot write a check for health. It's far more complicated and requires you to step up and, and really be a participant in your own health. Yes, I definitely understand that. It's interesting how you know you're supposed to have these annual physicals and you're supposed to have these doctor's appointments. And sometimes I forget them, even for myself or my children. And it's good that the doctor's office sends those reminders for that. And and it's crazy because, yes, your health should be first and foremost important because if you have poor health and, I mean, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't be here. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So, okay. You know, people get jobs and and especially college students and they're getting their first professional job and now it's time to, or even not even college students. I mean, just people who get jobs that are going to offer them a healthcare plan. So many options. I know the first time I sat down and in front of the benefits person and they went on and on about all these acronyms and letters and I had no idea what in the world they were talking about. So can you explain what is the difference between it's a PPO, an HMO, or those hybrid plans? And how do you know which plan is best for you? So the important thing to do is you really have to look at your own situation because some people, one of the plans will work better for them if they're an individual or if you have children or you happen to have a spouse. And you also have to look at your own personal health situation as well as, say, your your kids or those people who will be on your plan. And the reason why that's important is because each one of the plans has some benefits to offer or drawbacks, but it really depends on your personal situation. So if you happen to be someone who really does have a high need to use the medical care system or the healthcare system, you're going to want to get a plan that would have a lower deductible because you know you're going to be using it. Or say it's a year you're going to have a baby. You know, so you're going to want to look at what would those expenditures be. Or if you're looking at, do I have a lot of drugs that I need to take? And so you know, how expensive are those? You know, and so I will tell you that over my lifetime, I have changed between different plans, truly depending on where I am in my life and what my life circumstances are. And most people could really talk to their HR department and they'll help explain. But again, it really, it's so individualistic that I really would have to talk to the actual individual to give them better advice. And then along those lines, they always talk about a deductible and so how does, it, how does that deductible work? Well, so deductibles work in that before your health care um, 
plan, insurance plan, will start paying for um, any of the services, you have to have a deductible first, like meaning it's kind of like it's easier for some people to understand is if you think about your car, right? So let's say you were to unfortunately get into a car accident. You know, you would some plans have $500 deductibles, some might be 1000 So what happens is you would, if you were to get in a car accident, and let's say you had $5,000 worth of damage, if you had a $500 deductible, you would pay that first before they would kick in the other 4500 Well, it's the same with the health insurance as well, is that you would have to pay the deductible first before the health plan will start to pay things. Again, you want to look at your individual situation. I happen to be, knock on wood, very healthy, so I choose high deductible plans because then what that ends up doing is it makes my monthly premium lower. And so now, but again, if I had health issues, I would definitely choose a lower deductible plan. It would mean my monthly premium is higher, but I would do that because I know I'm going to be spending money within the healthcare system. That makes sense. I guess it's a difference between short-term and long-term care that is needed. So we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk more from within the healthcare legislation. So there are so many proposals from legislators regarding health care policies. Of course, there's always this back and forth about should we keep Obamacare or, or and really it's not Obamacare. Of course, we know it's the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> but one affectionately loves to call it, oh, it's Obamacare. Uh, but, there, I mean, there's so many proposals from legislators all the time. I mean, from women and LGBTQ and, and any just health care policies here and there. So what are your thoughts on the government being involved in health care? Well, the government actually is highly involved in healthcare because Medicaid is healthcare that is for um, people below a particular social economic class, especially also it, Medicaid will help children. Um, and then you also have Medicare. Medicare is for people 65 and older. So the government is already involved in our healthcare system. And when you really look at this, okay, I, I've been in healthcare for many, many years. And let me tell you, it's it's a very complicated system. It doesn't need to be. It's because you've got lots of different providers providing the health care, and then you also have insurance companies and all of that. So it's, it can be quite complicated, which is why I, I did the TEDx talk on why the best healthcare system starts with you, because the more we can do to really pay attention to our health, the less we end up having to use the healthcare system. But I don't like the fact that there are many Americans into the millions that don't have adequate health care insurance and so therefore they don't have adequate access. And so that will impede over the long term their health. So I do believe that we shouldn't leave anybody out. People should have health care so that, you know, especially if something happens that you know, the number one reason people go bankrupt in this country is because of health care expenses. And so that is a shame that that happened. So to think that the government isn't involved would be a naive way to look at it because truly the government is highly involved within our healthcare system already. Mm. Thank you for sharing that, Tammy. I, I often see, you know, people are, they're blaming either the patient or they're blaming the insurance company or they're blaming the doctors in the hospitals. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like everybody's fingers here and there, or they're blaming the, the legislators, you know, so it's very interesting uh, to really find out, uh, you know, I don't know if it's anyone's fault in particular, or if it's just, we just have to find a cycle or a system that works and then, you know, towards a benefit for all involved. But 
hopefully we'll keep working at it. <laughs> right. And it's not really about blame. I mean, I'm, it's interesting you say that because an, everybody's going to act in their own self-interest, right? Their best interest. So the insurance companies are not going to want to pay stuff out because then that hits into their bottom line, right? And, and so there's, there's a lot of people are always come for, coming from their own best interest perspective. But to me, I never talk about blame. I always say, I mean, even if people do everything right and they take care of themselves and they exercise and they eat right, they can still end up with a, you know, a debilitating disease or a chronic disease. The thing is, is it's not about placing blame. To me, it's about mitigating risk. If you're doing things to make your health as best as possible, you're going to mitigate against the risk of actually succumbing to disease. And again, getting back to, you know, you asked me about the deductible and I was using the car example. It's the same thing in that, you know, if you wear a seatbelt, you're going to mitigate the risk of being injured in an accident. Well, it's the same thing if you go exercise and you do things that are good for your mental well-being and you eat right. It doesn't guarantee you good health. What it does is it mitigates against the risk of poor health. Mm. Well put. Well put, Tammy. Okay, so... I know I've had a couple of um, hospital stays when I've given birth to each of my sons um, and any other surgery sometimes, you know, they're just in within the office. And when you have a hospital stay for a surgery, whether it's major or minor, what are the correct discharge procedures a hospital should follow? I mean, sometimes it appears like the hospital is rushing you out just to get to bed. It, that may not be the case, but I know that that's, the common thing that people say sometimes that they were rushing me out of the hospital. I wasn't ready to leave. And so how do you know if you're being discharged properly or not? Well, most hospitals have discharge procedures to ensure that, especially you as the patient, understand, you know, what you need to do and when you need to contact them if you're having certain situations, you know, like there's more of an emergency to come back or whether or not you should be going to see your primary care provider afterwards. And, yes, you probably feel that the hospital is pushing you to get out. And the reason why is they have to then clean that room and then they have to get another patient in. And so – the thing is, is that healthcare people are becoming far. Now I know you had children, so that's a lovely situation to be in the hospital. However, when people are in there for other reasons, the insurance companies have only so many days that they'll pay, and I'm talking about Medicare and Medicaid too. So if a if a patient is in the hospital longer than what that particular disease would call for, then the hospital's at risk of not getting paid. So that's why, the, the, yes, you do feel that rush to get out. And the proper discharge instructions would be for who's ever in, sitting down with you, that they also have paperwork and they go over everything. So you are absolutely clear, do I need to come back? Do, if such and such a situation comes up, do I need to call? Do I, only, do I need to wait to only see my primary care provider? So you really should feel that you're equipped with what do I do if this situation happens. All of the healthcare systems I've worked in have gotten, in my opinion, really good discharge instructions because they don't want you to bounce back either because if you mm -hmm. do, they also don't get paid for that. So, yes, I mean, you're feeling it, and it's a real feeling, I promise you. <laughs> Okay, thank you for sharing that. So 
Now I want to switch to practice management. So let's say a person, maybe there's a listener out there who is beginning to start their private practice in the medical field, in, in the healthcare industry. What are some key areas that they need to focus on? Well, you know what? Because we just had COVID-19, there are a lot of practitioners who probably would benefit from having some type of online presence or telemedicine. And so there's a lot more platforms that are moving to, can you do a visit online so that you're not exposing yourself to other people who are sick when you're going into an office or, you know, vice versa. But, you know, what's interesting is that what I've seen over the years of being in healthcare is there's consolidation in that it's people don't tend to open up their own, you know, hang their shingle out. They tend to either join a group or join a healthcare system because it's become far more complicated, a lot more paperwork. You know, I love practitioners, nurses, doctors, pharmacists. You, I mean, you name them, respiratory therapists. They all went into the into that field because they want to help patients. And then when they actually get in the healthcare system, they see how cumbersome it is from a, an administrative or paperwork perspective. And so the less that they have to do that, the more time they can spend with patients. So in my opinion, especially, like I said, in light of COVID-19, it would be really great for people to have some type of online presence or telemedicine presence. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. So what improvements would you like to see within our healthcare system? Well, almost to piggyback on my last answer is far more access to people. Now, um, there's a lot of specialists, say that you happen to be whatever, it's a neurologist or, or you know, surgeons, they tend to really be more in urban settings versus in rural settings. And so there's a large percentage of the population that doesn't have access to these incredible specialists. So again, if you have telemedicine, if someone shows up, say in, their, in a rural area in the United States, if they are connected, they can certainly go to that emergency department and then they can see a specialist online or, you know, via literally telemedicine. And so I would like to see far more access to people so that it doesn't matter where you choose to live, you're still going to have great access to healthcare. And you know, and again, in light of COVID-19, a lot of people are rethinking, do I want to live in an urban setting because you know, I'm around a lot more people. So I would not want to have people live in an urban setting because they have better access to healthcare. It'd be nice to have access for everybody. Yes, access to all would be great. <laughs> yeah, really absolutely. Mm -hmm. So there's a new practice manager, new doctor opening a private medical practice, and they're, they're looking to expand. However, they know that they can't take on another doctor. Uh, what are their options? Well, you know what? A really great option is to hire nurse practitioners or physician assistants into their practice. And the reason why is because, in fact, I like to go to my, you know, when I go to my physician, I like to actually see the nurse practitioner or the physician assistant because they tend to spend more time with you. And there is a shortage in this country of physicians. You know, our medical schools can only graduate so many every year. And then we also have a constraint on the number of, you know, the trainings and the fellowships that they do. In fact, physicians train for many, many years. A lot of them don't even graduate until their early 30s to start their career. Whereas, you know, you can have a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant who has, has not spent as much time in the training so we can end up having more in their accessibility. 
and to me, like I said, I don't, I don't see the need always to see a physician. Believe me, I love them. But there are times when a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant is absolutely appropriate. And they also will run. So like if you, if you talk to a nurse practitioner and your visit, but then they have a more, you have a more complicated issue, of course they're going to consult the doctor. So to me, it increases access for everybody, and it can also, you know, decrease costs in the healthcare system overall. So the people's traditional thought process that they want to see a physician always in their visit, it's not necessary. In fact, like I said, sometimes you get a lot more time and attention if you're seen by a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant. Okay. I can see that. All right, Tammy. I have one last question, and my question is has nothing to do with the topic that we've been talking about. Uh, <laughs> I always like to ask my guests one last question, but it definitely helps us to get to know you. If you could tell your younger self something, what would you say? What would you tell a young Tammy? That is an awesome question. <laughs> you know what? I would tell a younger Tammy, and I actually need to keep saying this to myself now, knowing that I'll continue to age, is that enjoy life more and stop worrying so much. Because there's so many times when I look back at my life and I thought, how am I ever going to get through this situation? Or how am I ever going to get through this problem? And yet I always have, and I come out on the other side. I would have had a lot more joy if I could have breathed through those moments and said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And so I would say enjoy life a lot more and know that no matter what I have to face or strive for more, that I'm going to get through it. Love it. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. Please take the time to let everyone know how they can purchase a copy of your book or seek your services. Um, great. So I have a book on Amazon, and it's called Your Ultimate Daily Guide for Success. And it's um, I, my full name is Tammy Lynn Guns, and that's my author name. And people can get a hold of me. Um, I have a business email, which is my name. It's Tammy Lynn Guns at gmail.com. And again, my name is T-A-M-M-Y. L-Y-N-N-G-U-N-S at gmail.com. You can also reach out to me. I love new connections on LinkedIn. And my business phone number for con contacting me is 303-301-4231. Absolutely would love to connect with your guests. Thank you so much, Tammy. Any last words of encouragement for the listeners as they strive for more? Really allow yourself grace in your life. I think sometimes people are just too hard on themselves. You know, that, that kind of monkey mind or the, you know, the voice inside of our heads, which can sometimes be so incredibly mean. And instead, allow yourself grace and celebrate the successes along the way. Well, I hate to do this, but that's our time. Tammy, you are amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your knowledge. I know that it inspired or it gave some information to someone who may have had a couple of questions about healthcare, whether it's their own healthcare plan or they are interested in the medical field or they're presently in the medical field practicing. I wish you nothing but blessings and abundance for you and your family. Please take care. Thank you for having me. Whatever your opinions are concerning healthcare, it is important to understand that you are ultimately responsible for your own health. Ask questions when choosing healthcare plans at your job. 
If you happen to find yourself in a job search, remember benefits are just as important as the salary. I would just like to make the announcement that we have reached over 1,000 downloads of the podcast. Thank you so much for supporting us along the way. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please leave us a review if your podcast player allows. Don't forget to visit the website at www.striveformorepodcast.com to view the show notes and any other links that my guests have shared. Continue to strive for more and live your best life now. See you in the next episode.